Standing Up in McKinney, this is According to Callus, episode 533, coming to you on the 20th of November, and yes, I am uh, still suffering with my sinus infection, so excuse me if my voice is not as mm, wonderful as it normally is. <laughs> that in the occasional cough break. <sighs> Today's title, In Other News, that's right. We're going to deviate from the long-standing tradition of focusing only on Texas and Texas-related things to a couple of items of some significance in the world. And then we will return back to Texas yet again. Before I do that, let me remind you the best way you can help me make a difference here is to like, share, and subscribe to this program. Join me on your favorite podcatcher. You can come find me on the social medias. That's right. You can follow, like, and share on Facebook. I've got a page and a group. I also visit over at MeWe and Gab. And for the foreseeable future, hopefully, I'll still get my audio put up at YouTube. Without further ado, in other news. So, uh, a little down and out over the weekend, trying to recover. But just a couple of things that of note came across my eyes. In case you're not aware, <laughs> there is yet another uh, war getting ready to happen. Apparently, Venezuela is looking at taking out one of their neighboring countries. Funny how that works. So we got uh, not only Israel and Gaza is going at it. And I probably have a few more things to say about that here in just a minute. And the Ukrainian... Um, problems, right? Their war with Russia over Eastern Ukraine. I, I, I just, <laughs> and once again, uh, Taiwan looks about ready to be eaten by Big Brother China. So, in case any of you are doubting that the president makes a difference, here you go. Here you go. All right. So, I have largely avoided the uh, Middle East conflict only because I guess it's been going on since about 600 AD and it predates that before Islam showed up. But what is interesting to me is it's the same thing over and over again. And apparently if I don't say Israel's a hundred percent correct, I'm an anti-Semite yet. If I say, uh, Perhaps the Palestinians in Gaza have, um, I don't know, a plausible claim or a legitimate gripe about something or another. I'm an anti-Semite. Well, I'm curious here. How does this work? Since they're all Semitic in the Middle East, right? Uh, and a large portion of the Jewish folks in Israel aren't, in fact, from the Middle East. They are transplants from Europe though they may have originally come from somewhere in the Middle East, you know, centuries ago. I'm not quite sure how that works because by my understanding, they're all from the Semitic background. So how am I an anti-Semite if I question the media narrative? Now, keeping in mind, <laughs> there's lots of questions how the events on October 7th came about with zero reaction for six hours. In many ways, it sounds eerily 
similar to the lead up to our own 9-11 scenario, or for that matter, Pearl Harbor, December 7th, 1941. I'm not suggesting anything was planned. I'm just curious how that got missed. I mean, unlike the United States, unlike Texas, Israel does actually guard their border. They pay attention to what's going on, and they kind of know who's crossing at any given time. So I'm really curious how this happened with nobody knowing anything. Uh, Inquiring minds want to know. That's just how I'm going to phrase it. Inquiring minds want to know. And to be clear, that has nothing to do with the, I don't know, how many ever millions of uh, Jewish people or Palestinian Christians or Palestinian Arabs or however you want to phrase it that live in Israel. I'm going to guess 90% of them did not want a war, maybe more. But I'm also going to guess that a majority of the people that have been hanging out in Gaza didn't want what's going on either. And I'm going to guess that both sides are being manipulated by powers that want the outcome, including perhaps some of our own defense contractors. Just guessing, just guessing. I don't know it to be true, but it certainly looks that way. And you know what they say, if it walks like a duck and quacks like a duck, it's probably a duck. Just saying. Now, why is Venezuela interested in their neighbor? Don't know, don't care. Why is Russia and Ukraine still fighting over the eastern provinces that have already been captured by Russia? That's a good question. Perhaps we should ask Congress why they keep giving them money. Just saying. So where does that leave us? That leaves us with the very real specter, if you will, of China uh, recontrolling Taiwan. Now, in the perfect world, that shouldn't really matter. Shouldn't really matter when one form of government takes over for another, unless it's directly affecting where you live. And being that I don't live in China or Taiwan, I mean, I'm going to feel bad for the people that lose out on that deal. And people always lose out. We, the people typically are the butt of everything that every government does, but that's way beyond my control. As they say, that is above your pay grade. But interestingly enough, in Argentina, a libertarian won the presidency. Now, I don't know how strong of a presidency they have in Argentina. And quite frankly, it's Argentina. I don't really care. Argentina's largely been irrelevant since, what, 1982, when the Brits went and kicked their tails over the Falkland Islands. But realistically, is there anything going to happen Is there going to be any difference? Don't know. Not sure. Really don't care. What's interesting is I vaguely remember when Pinochet was in charge of Chile and he was dealing with communists. He found a very interesting strategy of dealing with communists. If you don't know what that is, let's just say there were some helicopter rides involved. You should check it out. I'm not suggesting that we, the people in the United States, should necessarily have to do those kinds of things. But when you look at some of the things that have been occurring, perhaps a lamppost just isn't high enough. Draw your own conclusions. 
I'm not looking forward to what's coming. Uh, I mean, we can continue to pretend. We, we can continue to play nice. We, we can assume the best. I mean, what else are we going to do? But at the end of the day, we the people are going to pay the price. Always do, always will. But in the meantime, what are you going to do about it? Well, interesting. So the libertarian that won. Now, I should be holding up scare quotes. Um, I guess he's an Austrian economics guy. Uh, I guess he's about as libertarian slash libertine as you can be. He's, uh, from what I understand, a lapsed or a poor Catholic. Apparently, he's not very happy with the uh, commie pope, right? Frankie the hippie pope. I mean, realistically, <laughs> that's your problem. <laughs> Got to deal with the, uh, <laughs> the guy misleading you. I mean, we Protestants have the, uh, the same problem in spades, only it's not just one person. Apparently, your uh, College of Cardinals uh, kind of set you up for this problem. But be that as it may, uh, the Protestant churches got the same problem, only worse in my opinion. Because at least in theory, you can swap out a few cardinals. Oh, wait, the Pope does that too. Hmm. Yeah, you guys got your work cut out for you. We all do. Uh, it should be a priority number one to fix the faith, right? Fix the faith. It's just amazing to me that we, the people, allow ourselves to be held hostage all the time. You know, (laughs) I got about halfway through this episode and realized that the recorder had crashed on me again. So I, I don't even know where I left off. I'm just going to jump right in here uh, talking about this uh, libertarian guy in Argentina. Argentina is an interesting uh, country. It borders Chile. And Chile had to deal with their communists, you know, back in the day. Uh, and, And they found an interesting way of dealing with them. Including helicopter rides. My... My concern is that lampposts aren't going to be high enough, and maybe that's what happens. And to be clear, I'm not calling for this. I don't want this. I think this is a bad idea on both sides of the equation, but it's becoming to look more and more inevitable. The the people that seem to think they should run the world are doing their best to destroy the country I live in. They're doing their best to overthrow the entire world. Whether it's the trash world, crown or clown world that we talk about, whether it's what's going on in Ukraine, whether it's the show in uh, the rest of the world, right? There, there's a war everywhere, all the time, and usually it's stuff that could and should be dealt with, honestly, in an amicable basis by we the people. But we're not given that opportunity. It's because we're being manipulated by people that don't have our best interests in mind. And that goes across the board, and this crosses the spectrum. The the left wing, the left, even some of the hard right or whatever you want to call it, the authoritarians among them, they don't want to be questioned. They want us to just follow. And I don't care where they fit on the quote-unquote political paradigm. If they're authoritarian, that's a problem. 
Now, clearly, the libertine or the libertarian that's going to be in charge of Argentina for a brief period of time, assuming they let him take office, assuming they let him stay long enough to actually institute any reforms, he's got his work cut out for him. That country has been a more or less socialist paradise (laughs) for the last 60 years or whatever, since the Perones at least, and... I don't know that there's enough left to work with. I I mean, I could be wrong. There's a whole lot of Germans. There's a whole lot of Italians. There's a whole lot of Spaniards down there. Plus all the indigenous people that are intermarried and intermixed. And I mean, they are right next to Chile. Certainly Chile can uh, study up their army a little bit, huh? We'll see how that plays out. Keep in mind, I only bring these issues up because in many ways they are directly applicable to what's going on in Texas of all places. But before we get there, we need to just revisit the the old man Biden, right? Sleepy Keepy Joe. At this point, I've heard people talk about how it's elder abuse. I, I I've heard people talk about the dementia candidate. I mean, it's getting bad. And of course, now they're trying to turn this on Trump. And, you know, to be fair, he's an old guy, too. Uh, I don't think he's lost near as much uh, in his fastball or fast pitch, if you will, as Sleepy Creepy Joe. But at this point, can we not just consider maybe having a bunch of guys in their late 70s or early 80s running the country isn't the best idea anymore? I mean... I'm kind of content if it's guys in their, I don't know, 55 to 65 range or maybe even 45 to 65 range because at least by then you've maybe raised some children, you've maybe had a family, you have a vested interest of what comes next, but you got to be really concerned when you have a guy with the track records, well, quite frankly, of both those guys, Uh, or, or even worse yet, a guy that has no children that has no wife, that has no stability in his life, do you really want somebody like that running the country? Now, I'm not saying that, you know, you're you're not capable of doing good things if you're not married or you don't have a family. I'm just saying that the odds are greater in our favor if you've got a stable home life, right? If you've got a home life in general, if you've got a vested interest in the future, At this point, I got to (laughs) wonder, what future is there for us if these same people continue to stay in charge? I mean, they got theirs. The, The ruling families, if you will, are set for generations, but we the people, not so much. So... Setting aside the the idea of the wars all over situation, setting aside the maybe some people's positive idea that, hey, this libertarian guy won in South America. And to be fair, they've done some pretty crazy things down in South America over the years. It'd be interesting to see how this plays out. Tilting back to our own fearless leader, the guy that can barely walk down the tarmac, can barely put together a couple of sentences doesn't really know which way to exit the stage. Is anybody the slightest bit concerned with this? And if you doubt me, the quote unquote second place candidate, right? Of the, of the uh, B team, if you will, on the Republican party, has got the 
warmonger-in-chief nipping on the heels of Governor Ron. Now, I'm not the hugest fan of Ron DeSantis. I think he's a good guy. I think he's a good man. He did a great job in Florida from all in t- for all that we can see outside of Florida. Maybe he's got the right stuff. But I'd really like to see him maybe, just maybe, tone down the rhetoric on getting involved in all these other things all around the world. But maybe that's too much to ask for. I don't, I just don't know. I've said it before. I'll say it again. I don't believe DC is fixable. I don't believe there's any future in DC, which is one of the primary reasons why I've tried to focus on Texas. But even focusing on Texas, that doesn't mean that we can or should turn a blind eye to the rest of our own country, much less other countries in the world. We should at least be somewhat aware of what's going on and, you know, South America is going to mix it up over a couple of nations. That would be interesting, right? I mean, dictatorial-run countries tend to look for their neighbors to plunder their spoils when they run out of money. Venezuela, anybody? But I'm really curious, how is this all going to play out? Texas, on the other hand. As far as I can tell... We have a couple of good opportunities. We just need the leadership to get there. We we just need people that are in charge to recognize that there's really no going back. To take a deep breath and focus and think to themselves, what could we do in the future if we would just make good decisions now? And what are those good decisions? Well, for starters... I mean, there's a great opportunity. We've got, uh, I don't know, 10 more days left in the month of December. The uh, Texas Nationalist folks, they're 75% of the way to their goal. They need 100,000 signatures. You should go check it out. I mean, look, this may not change anything, but they have 100,000 plus votes, or I'm sorry, 100,000 plus signatures. That puts us in the play so we could get a vote on the primary. Now, I don't know about you, but we, the people, are routinely ignored, routinely dismissed, both by our leadership in the state and, quite frankly, even the parties that we belong to, even the parties that we support. So we have to show up. We have to give them numbers. We have to say, hey, look, put it on the ballot. Win, lose, or draw, we're fine, but you got to put it on the ballot. We made the goal. Let's do this. And yeah, there are people that are going to call you names. There's people that are going to roll their eyes. There's people that are going to say, well, I'm actually opposed to this. My answer is, good, then you should vote on it. Now, I realize, and actually, I'll save, the, I'll save the rest of this for tomorrow, right? We'll do a text at Tuesday. We'll spend some time talking about this. But if we're not willing to secure our own border, if we're not willing to deal with our own immigrants or the expats, if you will, from the other states, if we're not willing to rein it in, if we're not willing to put rules on them, we're not going to be any better off. We're not going to be in a better situation than the rest of the country is if we continue on the same pace. Now, I heard the idea that everybody gets to move here, but they don't get to vote for at least 10 years. I'm down with that. Everybody that gets to move here, uh, but they must enroll their children 
and the school outside of the government school system. Well, I mean, that gets interesting. Everybody that moves here has to wait five years before they're eligible for any state benefits. Well, I quite frankly don't think there should ever be any state benefits. Notwithstanding my own service in the military, if they would have said, hey, uh, Callis, there's no GI Bill. I mean, I might have rethought my enlistment, but then again, I might have still done it. I mean, look, I think we should reward people for service, but benefits typically are given to people that do nothing but show up. I mean, I'm really glad that they went to such great lengths to give a little bit of extra money to the retired teachers. That's great. But they're retirees. I'm sure most of them are getting a pittance. I understand it. I'm sympathetic to that situation. But I'll just say this. That was something that you agreed to. Of course, inflation's gone crazy. But interestingly enough, retired teachers, you voted for the very policies by and large in high percentages for those very policies that have caused the inflation that you're now complaining about. So you do own a part of this problem. You really ought to consider what's at play here. I don't know that you will. And Honestly, I, I don't know that I should expect that you will. I mean, after all, assuming that you're all great, perfect teachers, you know, like top 10%, the other 90% or the other 80% that spent all that time indoctrinating our students and this notion that they have to go to college or they'll never do anything and they should never want to get their hands dirty. And quite frankly, it was more important that they learned about <sighs> the proper pronouns or where their parents were born. Or what color tone they are, indicating where they are in the racial preference scale. I mean, this is nothing new. This has been going on at least since I was in high school. And I graduated, at least hypothetically, in 1990. So let me ask you, at what point do you just say, yeah, maybe we ought to quit doing that. Maybe we ought to learn from our mistakes. I mean, it's just a thought. I mean, it's not like the state leadership couldn't, uh, I don't know. Stand to uh, learn that same lesson, right? So as we're coming up on 2024 here, we're going to have the very interesting drama of the primary season. And I got to tell you, as much as I would like to see the incumbents challenged, I'm not uber confident that they're beatable. I'm not uber confident that I want to go all in on trying to beat an incumbent only to have them win. And then they promptly say, yeah, you know what, guys, I didn't really care about you now, but now I darn sure don't care about you. And guess what? Everything that you say you want, I'm going to do the exact opposite. Problem is, is it probably already doing that, isn't it? The problem is that they say they're doing the things we want. They pretend they're doing the things that they want, but quite frankly, they don't just fail to deliver on those most of the time. I mean, don't get me wrong. They perform their constituent duties and they, they make their uh, obligatory moves to support this special interest group or that special interest group. But we, the people, yeah, they don't care about us. See, that's the problem with the hierarchy of all government. 
You get up in there and they just don't care. They don't need you. I mean, at least they were honest this last cycle, right? I mean, Justin Holland and Jeff Leach, they basically said they don't need us. I mean, it's nice when you can craft your own districts so that it's so heavily weighted in your favor that the Democrat will never beat you so that all you have to do is get by maybe a tough primary and then you're gifted reelection. And quite frankly, you scared the most of the people away in the primary race because you got a couple million bucks in the bank and you've got a guaranteed, oh, say 45% of the vote before you even start just because you've got an R after your name and some name recognition. I mean, why would you care what the people think? Where's your vested interest in what people want? I mean, the answer is clear, right? You got your money the heck with you guys. Drunk Dade, line my pockets. I don't need you. Now, maybe, just maybe, the insurgents, right, will be successful in taking out the incumbents. Maybe we'll get a net improvement. I would only hope so. But do I really want to vest all my interest, all my efforts just to lose? I don't know. I I can't make that decision for you. I mean, look, if you think that you've got a good shot, if you think reasonably there's a chance and you want to go all in in support of the challenger to the incumbent, you should do that. Absolutely. All in. I'm just not sure. I wish I had the level of confidence that some of these people have. I don't. I'm disappointed. I mean, I'm I'm sure I've disappointed you because I, I know I'm disappointing myself. I, I wish I could be fully vested. I, I wish I had that confidence. I don't. But I know what works. And that's just keep going at it. Keep grinding away at it. Keep doing the best you can every day. Every little bit piles up. Every little bit makes a difference. That's all we can do. So maybe we get one or two this time around. Maybe we get another one or two the next time around. Maybe they start paying attention then. I don't know. But what I can tell you from my own observations, when we spend more time shooting amongst ourselves, right? Fighting amongst ourselves, doing the circular firing squad of the Republican Party, we never improve our candidates. We, we never change out our incumbents. Nope, we just damage ourselves. We just cut ourselves out of our own influence. And again, I'm not 100% sure what the solution is. I mean, I suppose, I suppose we could do some wholesale changes. We could rewrite certain things. We could improve certain other things. Maybe. To what end? I don't know. Does it do any good to write a law if nobody actually obeys it? Does it, does it do any good to create a guideline if it's promptly dismissed? I mean, that's what the state legislature largely does. They don't ignore or they don't listen to their own rules and they don't punish their own people. And if you think it's just the state legislature, I mean, you look no further than city council and school boards. The rules for we and the rules for thee is in play all the time, every day. Again, should this be surprising? Is this new? Are you sub- are you shocked? I'm not. I mean, we spent a little bit of time talking about, hey, you know, 
These are some of the other things going on. But really and truly, the only things that we might, might have a little influence on, that we could make a change on, we we cast aside our concern from that to go focus on the things we have zero control over. Now, look, I think the guy's name is Millie or Milty or something down in Argentina. I wish him the best, but that's not my problem. That's not my concern. You know, for my Catholic brothers and sisters out there, I wish you the best. You got to come up with a new plan because this guy is not doing you any favors. But again, that's not my problem. That's theirs. I'm not going to stick my nose in there and tell them how they would fix it. I mean, look, I'm a Protestant. What do I know, right? All these wars all over the rest of the world where people are fighting over scarce resources, they wouldn't be nearly so scarce if there wasn't bad government policy in the first place. But again, who are you going to call? Who are you going to explain that to? You know, and resident Biden, I mean, really, does anybody believe that guy got 81 million votes? I mean, even if he did in 2000 and, well, 21, do you still believe that? Are you still comfortable with that? Do you really think he's the best representation we have? I mean, set aside Trump. Say you hate Trump. That's fine. But can you not see a problem with Biden? Biden, 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 Biden? I mean, the guy's crazy. I mean, and not like isn't cuckoo, but he's gone. There's nothing there. There there hasn't been a there there since probably election day. He achieved his life's goal only to not even know he's there. Let's be honest. You guys, really? I mean, look, you can like your socialist stuff. You can you can like your progressive stuff all day long. And and honestly, if you run Gavin, he might win. I mean, Hitler is worn out. I mean, Michelle, she might be game. There might be some mixed match here that you could do to potentially run another competent ballot. But really, you got to put this guy to pasture before you get some other people killed. I mean, is anybody really comfortable or happy with how things played out in Afghanistan? I mean, the Israelis got to be really thrilled about that. Or the Ukrainians, for that matter. I mean, come on. But you're, I, you're missing the bigger point here. We're being played. You and I, at the ground level, we're being played. Both sides are playing their game and getting their cut, and we're paying the price. Now, I didn't have any sons, but boy, if I had a son... I'd have to really, really counsel them. Don't go in the military. It's not a good idea anymore. There's nothing there for you. And still, Texas sleeps. We barely got the people to show up to do anything. I mean, if you want to see an example of sleeping through an election, just look at Ohio. How in the world do you elect a policy that makes it okay to kill babies and then celebrate it? I mean, 
New York or Virginia, perhaps I could see that. But Ohio? Really? I mean, even you nominal Catholics that are all over that state, how are you okay with that? It's because you guys didn't show up. And that's the problem we have in Texas. The good people just don't show up. They pretend it doesn't matter. Maybe they're living in a little pious tent, right? If, if we if we just spend a little more time pretending it's not there, it'll go away. I don't know what to tell you. We're going to spend a little time talking about the Boniface option. I may have covered that already, quite frankly, I don't remember. But it's time to revisit it. Because we're running out of options. And with that, ladies and gentlemen, this has been According to Callus, episode 535 on the 20th of November. And I will see you on the other side.